it is a it's a great day today. We are celebrating Mother's Day, and so if you have not gone out yet and uh, grabbed a gift for your mom, or your maybe you might feel like as a husband you need to get something for your spouse. I want to I want to share with you just a couple of piece of pieces of advice um, about what to get your spouse or your your mother. Um, now I, I don't know if you've already done that or not, but through years of experience, I have learned what pretty much what not to give uh, as, as a gift. Uh, if you are going to get a gift, make sure that you don't get anything that is like an appliance or something like that. Yeah, it just uh, doesn't, uh, doesn't sit very well. Um, and, and then I've also learned one thing you don't want to do is you don't want to buy jewelry uh, for them. Uh, and here's a couple reasons why. One is uh, the stuff she wants uh, you can't afford, and the stuff you can afford, she doesn't want it. So just go ahead and not, don't do that. Um, another thing is try not to buy anything that involves, like you trying to figure out what size to get her, like in clothing, uh, because the chances, and this is my experience, the chances of me getting that the, the clothing size right is like 1 in 7,000. Uh, so that means that 6,999 times you are going to be wrong. So just don't even do that. So you say, well, then what am I supposed to, what am I supposed to get her? Uh, I don't know, uh, but just don't do those things, and you're, gonna, you're probably going to be okay. But needless to say, I think Mother's Day, for, really for a lot of us, it is almost like a holiday that is, it's, it's reached sort of like the sacred status. And, uh, and here's what I think. I just, just being real honest, I think probably why is because we, we know that mothers do a lot, but I think the big thing is that as we get older, as the kids get older, we just sort of feel guilty about all the junk we put mom through, and so we're trying to make up for it on this day. So it's just like this guilt trip deal, so that's why y'all are doing that. And so that's, that's, just sort of, that's just sort of where we are, I think, on Mother's Day. But the Bible does have some good things, has some great things, some great examples for us that it points out about mothers, and there's no doubt that probably one of the or one of the greatest influencers in the life of a child is it is one. It's, it's going to be mom. It's also going to be dad. But today we're going to talk about moms, and so we're going to look at a mother in Scripture who had just a great impact on the life of her child. Now the lady's name was Jochebed. I, I don't know any personally any Jochebeds today. But there's a lady in the Old Testament, her name was Jochebed, but she had a very famous son, and his name was Moses. Now, if you know anything about Moses, typically, if you're like me, when you think of Moses, um, I think of, I, one of the first things I think of is the Red Sea splitting in two. Now, if you grew up in church like I did, do, do y'all remember the, the flannel, the flannel graph, flannel boards uh, that they had? Uh, that, that was one of them for me, it was Moses, and you'd have a sea that was split in half, and the Hebrew people are going through it. Another thing that I think of, of course, is uh, Moses uh, getting the Ten Commandments and sharing them with the people. So Moses was a great man, he's a great man in Scripture, but his story, just like your story, all of our stories, it, it's a story that began with his mother. And so we're going to see that, uh, that Moses' mother was just a unique, special lady because of some godly characteristics and traits that she had in her life. And I think they're worth emulating. doesn't matter if you're a father or a mother. And so we're just very briefly going to take a look today at some of these godly traits that she had in her life that made a difference in the life of her son. 
So if you have your Bible, we're going to be looking today in Exodus chapter 2, and we're going to look in verse number 1. And so just a little bit of background information as you turn there is at this time, the Hebrew people had been in Egyptian captivity for about 400 years. Now they had, they had come from the land of Canaan, Israel, down into Egypt because of a great famine that had occurred years before. And you might remember the guy at the time who was the prime minister of Egypt was this guy named Joseph who had gotten there. He was a Jewish guy, but he had gotten there because his brother sold him into slavery. You all remember that story? You know, Prince of Egypt, that whole story. So he's in charge. His brothers, there's a famine comes. So the brothers end up, unbeknownst to them, they come to Joseph, the brother they sold into slavery, and they need food. Well, he recognizes them. It's a long story. I won't go into it. But he ends up basically saying, y'all come move here, live here. You'll have plenty to eat. We'll be fine. So they move down there, and they just start having families, and the population grows. But it gets so big, the Egyptian people get nervous. They start thinking, this, this foreign people, there's too many of them. We've got to control this. So they make them slaves. And then once they become slaves, the population continues to explode. And Pharaoh said, we really got to do something about this now. He said, if, if they have babies, he said, they are to take those babies, and they are, if they're, if they're boys, and throw them into the Nile River. Okay, so at this point, this is when Moses is born. When they're to get, be getting rid of all these baby boys, and we see the response and the traits of a godly mother in the midst of all of this. And so let's just take a look at some, maybe some traits that we can glean from her life that really made her a special lady. And the very first trait that I notice about her is she was a lady who was prepared. And she was prepared spiritually. She was prepared to be a mother, but she was prepared spiritually to take care of her children. Now look with me in verse number 1. I'll just read that one verse. It says, Now a man from the family of Levi married a Levite woman. That's sort of like a, like a throwaway verse almost. It's like, okay, so they're, they're from the tribe of Levi. What does that mean? Uh, well, what that means is from, from the tribe of Levi, this was the tribe that God was going to use in order to raise up a kingdom of priests or a priesthood. Uh, these were the guys who were going to be the religious leaders of the Hebrew people. And this is the tribe that Moses' mom and dad came from. They were a tribe of people who were connected to God, and they were going to spiritually lead. Now, because of that, it had some ramifications. I told you all before that during this time, Pharaoh said, get rid of all the male Hebrew babies. Exodus 1.22 says, Pharaoh commanded his people, you must throw every son born to the Hebrews into the Nile, but let every daughter live. That meant that if you were a Hebrew person, you had a kid, it was a boy, you were to take that boy, go to the Nile River, and get rid of him. I mean, absolutely, I mean, just incredibly cruel. But whenever this family heard what they were supposed to do, they refused to do it. How did they, how did they have the, you know, the, the fortitude to do that? Well, it's because they were spiritually prepared. God is a God who loves life. And, and, and more and more, I realize our, our culture today needs to know that. Our God is a God of life. 
Hebrews 11.23 in the New Testament lets us know about Moses' parents. It says, by faith, after Moses was born, he was hidden by his parents for three months because they saw the child was beautiful, and I love this part, and they didn't fear the king's edict. Now, by faith, Moses' parents hid him in spite of Pharaoh's decree. Well, why? You know, why, why would they have the guts to hide their kid? Well, it's real simple. They had faith in God. They had faith that God was going to make something special out of the life of their kid, which is unusual to me to think that they would even think that way. I mean, they've been in slavery for 400 years. If anything, the family should have been looking, thinking, where, where is God? You know, we're his chosen people, and yet here we are, we are living in slavery And yet, because this was a family that had faith in God, they trusted that God was going to take care of their family. It was a family, Moses' family, that he had a mom and a dad who didn't just simply talk about their faith, but they were a family that lived their faith. And we need to see that more and more in our own homes. You know, it's really easy for us to talk about the goodness of God and the strength of God and the direction of God, but it's not going to mean anything unless we actually put that into practice and live out our faith. See, God doesn't just honor what you say. You know what God honors? He honors what you do. He honors how you live your life. Now look at Moses' mother. She was a lady who chose obedience to the Lord rather than obedience to the king because she trusted the king, the king of kings, the Lord of lords. Jesus said in Matthew 6, Seek first the kingdom of God and his righteousness, and all these things shall be given to you. Now, in saying that, mothers and fathers, here's the deal for us. Are we like Moses' mother in that are we prepared spiritually? Are we prepared spiritually not to be swayed by what the world says, but are we prepared enough to where we look to God and the God of Scripture And say, I know what the world says, but I trust the God of this book more than what people have to say. You know, it's not enough for us just simply to know about God. Y'all, we need to know God. You know how we know God? You know how you get to learn to know God? One of the best things you can do is, is spend time seeing what God has to say to you in this book. Well, where do I start? Well, a good starter is to actually just open it. You know, we have all this technology today. You have, you, have an app, you have apps on your phone that you can get. You can get a Bible app on your phone. You can get a Bible reading plan on your phone that will help you just go through Scripture. Just read it so that you will read all of Scripture. Now, here's what you learn. As you start reading through Scripture, you see the promises that God gives. You see what, what God is saying. I'm not saying you're going to understand everything. There's a lot of stuff in here you're going to understand. And then begin to put it into practice. And if you put it into practice, that's where you discover that what God says, it is true. Now, I look at, I look at Moses' mother. And she was a lady who was prepared spiritually. But here's another thing I want you to see. Another great trait about her is that she was also prepared to protect. She was prepared to protect her child. Look in, look in verse number 2. It says, The woman became pregnant and gave birth to a son, and when she saw that he was beautiful, she hid him for three months. 
Now, it is, it is a mother's, I, I, I believe this, y'all can affirm this or not, it, it is a mother's natural instinct to protect her kid. Does it, does it, does it, does it sound like I'm on target there? Do y'all agree with that? Mother just sort of naturally, if you want to get on the bad side of a, of a woman, just say something bad about her kid. You don't want to do that. Uh, do something bad to her kid. I, I've got an example of this. When I was a kid, my, my sister uh, was playing in a basketball game. And I was in the stands uh, with my mom and dad. I was sitting there, and my sister was getting ready to go into the game. And uh, apparently the coach changed her mind as my sister was running out onto the court. She had a ponytail. And the coach reached out and grabbed her by the ponytail and just sort of snatched back. Now, when she did that, my sister's head snapped back really quick. And my mom jumped straight up out of her chair. Now, Mom, do you remember this? She's, she's going to act like she did. She did this, y'all. So she jumped straight up. Now, my dad had to reach over and to stop her because Mom, let me tell you what my mom was going to do. Mom was going down to take care of business, right? <laughs> now, y'all don't know my mom. Now, I know y'all think if you've met her, she's a really sweet lady. No, she's not as sweet as you think. Um, <laughs> I, am, I am putting money on Mom, and she will take you out. Now, here's the thing, though. That... That's what moms do, right? I mean, if somebody threatens their child, they are going to do whatever they can in order to protect their kid. That this is exactly what Moses' mother was doing. She was going to protect her child. You see, when she saw her child, she saw that he was beautiful. Parents, you remember the first time you saw your, your children? Now, I know this. When I look at other children... Now, not the babies today. I look at other children, and I think they, all, they just all look the same. They're just babies. You know, babies look like babies. I don't think there's, you know, I'm like, eh, nothing special about that. He's just a baby. But when it's mine, I had the most beautiful children in the world. And I looked at my children. When I saw my children, I'm sure you're the same way. You see your children, and you're amazed by it. And it's just something you look, and you're like, oh, my, this is like a human being. That is a part of me. And when, that, when you begin to realize that, then there's something that overcomes you, and you're like, I'm going to do whatever is necessary to protect and take care of this child. Moses' mom, like any mother, she saw her child. She saw he was beautiful. And she said, I'm going to take care and protect this child. And it says that she hid her child for three months from Pharaoh. She hid him in her house. Now, what was in her house? Your mom, your mom was there. Dad was there. They had another, they had another son. They had another daughter. Also within their house, they had a household that loved God. You know, one of the greatest things that you can do to protect your children, to protect your child, is to teach them about the things of God. Proverbs 3, 5, and 6 says, Trust in the Lord with all your heart and lean not on your own understanding. In all your ways, acknowledge Him, and He will make your paths straight. She kept Him in the home. Now, now what was outside of the home? You know what was outside of the home? The Nile River. Death and destruction were outside the home. She had to keep her baby in the home because if he got outside of the home, they would have killed her child. And so she wanted to protect her child for as long as possible. Now, moms and dads, let me tell you something. The best thing you can do is to build a fortress around the life of your child and teaching them the things of God. 
so that it will become more and more difficult for the things of the world to enter into the life of your child that can destroy them. Now you might say, well, I've already done that. My kids have moved on and they have, they have moved away from God. They don't even follow God. Let me tell you something. Now they get, they get to choose how they're going to live. But you are giving them a map. When you lay a foundation for them, teaching them that God loves them, that God has a plan for them, that God has a way for them to live, that God has direction for their life, you're giving them a map so that they will know how to get back to God. In Proverbs 22, 6, it says, Train up a child in the way he should go, and when he is old, he will not depart from it. I read a story about a, a judge, and I thought, just a, I thought it was a great lesson. Uh, for me and for others. He had a, a great number of cases that came to him that involved a lot of families and children. And, and listen, listen to what he said. He said, we adults spend far too much time preparing the path for our youth and far too little time preparing our youth for the path. Does that make sense to y'all? You know, I... I, one person, that was a kid. <laughs> Mom and dad, y'all get a chance to help that kid out. Yeah. You know, if you're, if you're like me, I, I want to do whatever I can to make sure that there are no obstacles for my kids. I mean, do you like it whenever you see your kids struggling? Whenever you see your kid running up against obstacles and you think, hey, you know, I need to go out there and I need to knock down some of those obstacles so that they'll have a smooth path in life. And that makes sense to me, but there's a problem with that. And the problem with that is that our, our kids, they need to be prepared to handle the path. They need to, they need to have, they need to, y'all, there is adversity that comes in life. This is adversity. Here's the thing I heard all my life growing up drove me crazy. Mom and dad, in their infinite wisdom, here's what they would tell me. Well, life ain't fair. It's driving me crazy. But you know what? They're right. Life's not fair. And we are raising up a generation of kids who think life's fair. And if we teach them that, they're going to get whacked upside the head. Because the reality is, life is not fair. So you better be building up your children, teaching them how to handle adversity and how to trust in a God who doesn't say that he, will, that he will make every problem you have go away, but who says, I will give you strength to get through every problem that you're going to face in your life. Now, a tra traits I notice about Moses' mother, she was prepared spiritually. She was prepared to protect her child. And one of the ways she protected her child was talking about God. And you're going to see this, you can see this later on in Moses' life, but here's the final thing. Very important trait. She was prepared to let go. She was prepared to let her child go. Look with me in verse number, in verse number three, is the final verses that I'll read. It says, but when she, his mother, could no longer hide him, she got a papyrus basket for him and coated it with asphalt and pitch. She placed the child in it and set it among the reeds by the bank of the Nile. Then his sister stood at a distance in order to see what would happen to him. Pharaoh's daughter went down to bathe at the Nile while her servant girls walked along the river bank and seeing the basket among the reeds, she sent her slave girl to get it. And when she opened it, she saw the child. It was a little boy. It's crying. She felt sorry for him and said, this is one of the Hebrew boys. 
Then his sister said to Pharaoh's daughter, Should I go and call a woman from the Hebrews to nurse the boy for you? Go, Pharaoh's daughter told her. So the girl went and called the boy's mother. Now, now one, of the, one of the great struggles in the life of a mother, and, and for that matter, the life of any parent, is recognizing and realizing there comes a day when you let your children go. You know, our, our tendency is that we would love for our children to be with us all through life because if they are, then we can protect them. You know, we see stuff that's coming they don't know about. If they're with me, then, then they won't get hurt. If they're with me, then I can, you know, then I can help, help ease the path for them in life. But the job of a mother and the job of a father is to prepare their children to make it in life without them. You know, statistically, a, a child will outlive the parent. It doesn't always happen, but it does in large part. And so if you are always trying to take care of your child and prepare that path for them, let me tell you something, more than likely you're going to die before your child and they're going to be alone. And then when that happens, are they going to be able to make it? Are they going to be able to travel that road alone? Now for Moses' mother, there came a time when she, there was an impetus that pushed her towards having to let go of her child much earlier than us. But you see the impetus in verse number 3. It says, when she could no longer hide Moses, she had to give him up. Now, now what does that mean? Well, just like any, it doesn't tell us, but my guess is that he's a baby. And so what's he doing? He's growing getting bigger and bigger, and, and so it becomes harder and harder to hide. Can you imagine trying to hide a two-year-old so that people outside don't hear him? I mean, if they hear him, what are they doing? They're, the Egyptians are going to come in, they're going to grab that kid, and they're going to kill him. They're going to throw him into the Nile. And so knowing this, she's like, Man, I've got to let him go. I can't keep him here anymore. I've got to send him out. Now, now whenever she is thinking of this, it's not like she grabbed... Moses as this little child and she didn't just open her door and set him down and go good luck and then shut the door she didn't do what did she do she prepared him how did she prepare him well if you look in our text that she made a basket for him so she covered it with asphalt and pitch which waterproofed the basket because she knew I'm going to stick him in the Nile and I want to be waterproof and then I'm going to push him off and let him go that's an extreme circumstance here. But she's preparing him to go. Now, does she know what's going to happen to him? Now, I think she had some hopes and dreams. I think she believed, and my, my guess is she probably knew Pharaoh's daughter was down there and she had some hopes there, but she didn't know what was going to happen. She basically was like, okay, Lord, I've done everything I know to do. I have done it all, and now... I'm going to let him go, and it's in your hands. Parents, did you know you're going to do the same thing? And you, you don't know. Now, you can have your hopes and dreams, but you don't know what your children are going to do. You, you don't know what kind of job they're going to have. You don't know where they're going to end up. You don't know where they're going to live. You think you know who they're going to marry. You don't. You, you don't know what's going to happen. So what do you do? You prepare them the best you know how, and you push them off, and then you say, Lord, I don't know what else to do. But God, it's in your hands. I've done all I know to do. That's what Moses' mother did. You might think, my goodness, it's come to that. I've got to trust God now? Yeah, but it is the best thing you can do. Because God's plans and intentions for the life of your child, his dreams for your child, I promise you they are bigger than your dreams. 
Ephesians 3, 20 and 21 says, Now to him, to God, who is able to do above and beyond all that we ask or imagine, according to the power that works in us, to him be the glory in the church and in Christ Jesus to all generations forever and ever. Amen. Jochebed was trusting that God would do more for her son than she could ask or imagine. And did you know that God did it? And if you know the rest of the story, she puts him in that basket. He goes down the river. Pharaoh's daughter sees him. So that's a Hebrew boy. I want to adopt him. Now, how weird is this? Her dad wants to kill all the Hebrew boys. And that same, that same Pharaoh, her dad, is going to raise up this boy who one day is going to grow up and he's going to bring freedom to all those people he's trying to kill. Isn't that bizarre? Do you think she had that kind of a dream? I guarantee you, she was not thinking that. No way. And I look at that and I think, only God does stuff like that. Only God has dreams like that. Uh, Timothy Keller is a pastor, was a pastor in, in New York City or Manhattan he said his life changed in 1970. He was a, a Sunday school teacher, told this story, and Timothy Keller describes himself as, as a nerd. And so when you hear this illustration, you will, uh, you will know why. Uh, he loves science. And he said the teacher gave this illustration. He said, let's assume the distance between the earth and the sun, which I have never thought about in my life. He said, but let's just assume that, it, that it's um, reduced to the thickness of a piece of paper. The distance between the earth and the sun is 92 million miles. So, so if you picture it being, being just like this little sheet of paper here, that's the distance between it. He said the next nearest star to the earth after the sun would be represented by a stack of papers that would reach 70 feet high. So 92 million miles, this sheet of paper, the next closest star a stack of papers 70 feet high. So the diameter of the galaxy would be a stack of papers 310 miles high. And he said, and that is just the galaxy. The galaxy is a speck of dust in the universe, and yet the Bible says Jesus holds the universe together by the word of his power. Now, is that the kind of person that you would ask simply to be an assistant in your life. And I thought, well, how absurd would that be? That's the kind of person I think we'd say, have charge of my life. Run my life. Be in charge of the show. That is what Jochebed was doing in our text today. She said, I'm not going to be in charge of this. You're the king of kings and the Lord of lords. You made all of creation, and I will trust you with my child, and I will hand my child over to you. And you know what God did? He turned Moses into a leader. She turned him, or he turned him into a man who would change the world. Now, mothers, you have precious cargo at home. And the way you live, the decisions you choose to make, the God you choose to serve will make a difference in the life of your child. You want to see that happen? I do. But if we want to see that happen, we have to be prepared. We see that with Jochebed. She was spiritually prepared. She was prepared to protect, and she was prepared to let go. So then let me, let me finish with this. Are you prepared? Are you, are you more importantly at the beginning, are you prepared spiritually? See, I'm not sure. Well, you can be today. What do I do? 
If you want to be prepared spiritually, then you just simply where you are, you need to talk to God. You say, God, as a creator of the universe, as a God who has power over life and death and who sent your son Jesus to pay for our sin on a cross and who rose from the grave, I will follow you. I will give my life to you. Forgive me. And the Bible says you shall be saved. And there might be somebody today, and you need to do that. Do that today. Pray. Pray where you are. But maybe others of you today, you have moms, maybe even dads that you need to reconcile with. You might say, why should I do that? You don't understand where I come from. I don't. But here's what I know. The Bible says in the Ten Commandments, the Fifth Commandment, honor your father and your mother. And so maybe there's some things that maybe you have in your past, some strains in your relationship. I would encourage you, maybe write a letter to your mom this week and just simply say, thank you for doing the best you knew how. Thank you for loving me. Maybe you need to ask one of your parents to just simply to forgive you. But do that and simply say, Jesus, thank you for giving me my parents. Thank you for giving me people who love me. Now, I'd just like to close the service with a word of prayer. And I'd like to encourage you as I'm praying, just simply to take this time and say, God, thank you for my parents. But God, I pray that you will help me to be a godly parent. Heavenly Father, I want to thank you for your word. I thank you for the promises that you give us in Scripture. And I thank you for the example that you give us with Moses' mother, a lady who was prepared. She was prepared spiritually as she was a lady who is ready just simply to trust you over all circumstances. And Lord, you took her simple faith and you made a man who became a leader for his people that brought freedom. Lord, I pray that that you will bless our mothers here today. And God, I pray that there will be many of those mothers who are raising up young men and women who will love you and who will change this world that we live in. And I pray these things in Jesus' name.